Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, uh, is Austin Hartsfield. What's going on, Austin? Uh, you're a little under the weather right now. How are you feeling? Yeah, just a little bit. I'm not feeling great, but it's off-season time and we got free agent signings, so I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, the, sh- the show must go on for sure. Um, with us today, I'm, I'm happy and, and proud to announce that uh, Mr. Travis Jankowski, former Padre outfielder, is with us. What's going on, Travis? How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just hanging out at the house and uh, excited to be on with you guys. Fantastic, man. You know, first off, so many fans have communicated their love and well wishes to you personally, to me. Just give me some some thoughts about the Padre fans in, in particular, if you could. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm uh, definitely going to miss them. It was a fan base that accepted me from day one and... Um, you know, obviously not being an everyday starter there, it's it's kind of tough to win over a fan base. Um, but, you know, I think I think the fan base was incredibly, um, you know, appreciative of the way I played the game. Um, always laying it all out on the field and doing anything I can to, to help the team win. And, um, you know, as much as they love me, I love them just as much. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really tough when the business side of the game comes in between fans' uh, interactions and love of players, but, you know, it's that's just the reality of the game, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it happens all the time, and I, I try and stay in touch with as many uh, fans that I, I, you know, met on a personal level, but it's it's one of those things, too, where it's it's a business thing, and shoot, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting some new people in Cincinnati. Yeah, for sure. Give us a little bit about that. You guys, you just came back from uh, Reds Fest. I know that had to have been a, a little bit of a culture shock for you, being oh seen so much red since you weren't used to that color. But <laughs> give us a little bit about uh, your first interaction with, with the Cincinnati Reds and their fan base. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, I tell you what, they rented out a, a whole convention center and um, packed that thing to the to the max. Um, I was talking with a worker there, and, and she had mentioned that um, – they actually ran out of food because they didn't anticipate oh. that many people coming to it. So it was, um, it was a bit of a culture shock, um, you know, going into that and, and having that be the first time you, you know, interact with all the fans, having that many people around. It was, it was crazy, but it was one of those things that I absolutely loved. And, um, you know, getting to meet the guys and, and interacting with them before spring training is incredibly beneficial and meeting the coaches and, um, you know, just kind of, I would say getting my feet wet a little bit in the organization was great. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's had to have been strange for you, but that's awesome to get a new beginning and, and kind of just get your feet wet and, and kind of have a, a new start to your baseball life, if you will. Um, yeah, definitely. So, so 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 how are you, man? How's how's the family life? Are you getting plenty of uh, of uh, early conditioning, chasing Bentley around the house? Oh my gosh, he's walking <laughs> now, so it is awesome. Um, yeah, there's really nothing better. My uh, my wife and I are get, getting our cardio in, keeping up with the little guy. He's Gosh, he's learning how to go up steps and and pull himself up on the couch. So now it's it's, it's getting a bit of a safety concern getting in there. But um, yeah, it's the best thing ever, and just being able to be on my own schedule. So if you know I want 
to hang out with Bentley and my wife in the morning. I can work out at night or vice versa. That's, that's the main benefit of the off season. It's just kind of being on your own schedule and getting that extra family time in. For sure. And I know, I know Bentley's huge blessing for you and it's, it's awesome for you to be able to spend some time with him, especially since he's, I'm sure growing so fast, right? Oh my goodness, dude. It's, he learns something new every day. You know, it's not going to be, not going to be long before I'm putting a little miniature baseball size field in my backyard and having him run the bases. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's sneaking up quick and I'm loving every second of it. That's so awesome. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about the, the business side of the game and, and the trade. Um, just g- give me a little bit of a response to the trade and, and the new beginnings. I know you and I spoke in September and, and you, there was a little bit of frustration with playing time with you and, and it's had to not been a too much of a surprise for, for something like this to go down, but give me a little bit about just, moving on and just new beginnings in Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, it was, um, one of those things where in San Diego, like I said, you know, I love playing there and obviously love the fans, love the weather. It's hard not to like a spot like that. Um, but I think this move for my career is probably what's best for me and my family. Um, when it comes down to it, I think each and every baseball player out there plays for two reasons. the love of the game and, and for his family, you know, to set his family up for the rest of their life. And, um, you know, I have nothing but great things to say about San Diego and the organization. Um, it was an awesome four years, five years there, hanging out and getting to meet everyone from, you know, the security guards at the gates to, um, you know, the, the vendors selling concessions there. And, um, but the bottom line is, I think, you know, uh, my, my time at San Diego was kind of done. Um, they were kind of moving on to younger and better. And um, that's just kind of how baseball works. Um, lucky for us, we're a little bit closer to home in Pennsylvania, my wife and I and, and Bentley. Um, and it's one of those things, too, where it seems like it, it looks like it's a better fit for me, too, in Cincinnati as far as my career goes. So as much yeah. as I'm going to miss San Diego and the people and my teammates, um, it's one of those things where, like you said, it's the business side of it. And if it benefits my career, I'm going to have to do it. Not yeah. that I have much say because it was a trade, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's what it comes down to is you look out for your family and you look out for um, – you know, for, for that first. Yeah. I, mean, I know you got to be excited for the, for the upcoming season and an opportunity to prove yourself. And you're, you're with a, a team that's up and coming and, and a team uh, that has a pretty decent offensive uh, uh, capability and, and, and an offensive ballpark. So it's got to be exciting for you in that regard. Um, you know, give us a little bit about the Padres season. Uh, I know it was a trying season for you in 2019. You had a I talked to you in the spring and you were excited for an opportunity to prove yourself and, you know, things didn't happen with the wrist injury. Uh, Bentley helped you cope greatly with, with the disappointment of the season, but give us a little bit about just the trying 2019 season and how rough it was for you. Yeah. It, um, it was one of those things where it, it almost felt like being a guy who's kind of had to grind his way into playing time and kind of, fight for everything he had in the big league level, have nothing handed to him. It, it felt like going into 2019, I had somewhat established myself as a part of the team. Um, mm. And, you know, it felt like I, looking back on it, I probably didn't have to die for that ball that I ended up breaking my wrist on. Um, but it's it's one of those things, too, where it's kind of just my nature, and it's, it's in my, I don't know, I guess, DNA to just go out there and make that play. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, from the get-go, it was kind of a, a trying season. And, um, you know, the extra time not being with the guys and uh, being in Arizona and stuff like that had a a lot of time to think, um, you know, just about how it went. And just, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't 
completely regret it, but at the same time, I don't regret it, if that makes sense. Um, because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that everything does happen for a reason. So obviously getting hurt was terrible and it wasn't fun at all. And not being with the guys was brutal. But as you mentioned, you know, I, I got to spend so much time with my wife and my son, something that, you know, in the summer months, baseball players don't really ever get to do. Um, so yeah, it it was a, a frustrating year and a disappointing year as far as on the field stuff goes. But I mean, I guess your situation is kind of always what you make it. You know, I could have been miserable and been at the, you know, rehab facility and, you know, gone in there and just, you know, kept a, a scowl on my face and not smiled and done my work and gotten home and been miserable. But that wouldn't have helped the situation at all. So, you know, you, you play the hand you're dealt and you do it with a smile on your face. You know, the game's constantly evolving, you know, from utility players to everything else. How do you feel about the old school and the new school analytics and how have you kind of blended those together? Yeah, you know, I think uh, analytics, sabermetrics, I think that does play a huge part in um, in the game today. If I had to classify myself, um, you know, new school or old school, I'm I'm probably 95% on that old school side. Um, you know, I, I believe that there's certain things that computers can't tell you. You know, there's that competitive edge, that, um, you know, willingness to win, that um, leave it all on the field mentality, which... You know, it might not show up on a win column every night, but there's something that your teammates respect about that. And it's something that, you know, is vital to a team, you know, providing that energy and, um, you know, just just a whole bunch of stuff that uh, computers can't really spit a stat out or, or, uh, you know, a formula out for. That's awesome. It's it's an ever-evolving sport, and and new analytics are – something to consider and something to, to look at because new information is, is obviously important to you guys, but I do love the way that you talked about heart and hustle and stuff like that. And the, the characteristics that can't be uh, put on a stat sheet, which are definitely very valuable when you play 162 games, right? I mean, you have to oh, have someone, absolutely. yeah, you have to have someone in your, in your, in your foxhole. That's, that's just there ready to compete, right? You don't want someone who's just there for themselves. You want someone that's there for the team. And that is very, very important. A hundred percent. Yeah. And just, um, you know, just a little bit of, about that. I think if you look at, um, you know, in San Diego, a guy like Fernando Tatis, you know, he mm-hmm. provided that spark, he provided that energy. And I think he made everyone around him. Now, yeah. granted, he's a heck of a baseball player talent wise as well, but you know, he, you could see just certain games where guys might be dragging a little bit. Um, you know, they're on a 15 game straight stretch and Toddy comes up there and stretches a single into a double and fires everyone up. You know, that's the stuff that that's just, it fires everyone up and it gets everyone going. For sure. For sure. You know, speaking about chemistry and stuff, how surprised were you at the Framio Reyes trade when when that happened? I I know that he was huge in the the clubhouse and huge in, in the, the intangibles that we can't necessarily recognize on the stat sheet, but give me a little bit about uh, Framil Reyes and, and if you were surprised on, on the fact that he was moved. Yeah, yeah. I was a little surprised um, at the move. Um, again, it goes down to the business side. And I think as players, mm-hmm. you do as much as you can to, you know, put your head down and focus on you. Um, but yeah, trades kind of affect the team. It affects team chemistry. And yeah, Framil was, he was one of those guys where he was keeping the mood light all the time. And, um, you know, he knew when it was time to be serious and time to have fun. But Boy, did he keep the mood light, you know. He uh, yeah. he was always doing something around that locker room to keep guys laughing. Um, 
you know, if you get swept by a team and everyone's upset, he's in there the next day, blasting music, dancing around, just keeping the mood light. Um, so that's one of the things to great clubhouse guy and you know, another great talent. Um, but you know, I'm, I, I don't know the logistics of it, but I guess you kind of look at friend mill and you kind of look at a guy like Hunter Renfro and kind of compare them. And I guess they're similar. So it's kind of pick one and, you know, uh, I remember AJ always saying if he could trade a Fernando Tatis Jr. for two Fernando Tatis Juniors, he would do it. So I know he's not he's not afraid to make those trades and um, you know put a little risk out there. Yeah, again, again, the business side hits in, right? It it, it kicks in. Definitely. So, do you have a favorite Framo story from the time he was there? Um, dude, so I, I wish I could say that I witnessed this in person, but when he sang um, "I Will Always Love You." in a post-game interview to the whole stadium. Probably <laughs> one of my all-time favorite Fran Mill stories. Like, that describes him to a T right there, you know? Not afraid of the camera, not afraid to sing in what he probably thought was a great singing voice, but I think some people would argue that in front of, you know, thousands of people. He's not afraid to do that. He he loves it, and, um, yeah, that's the type of guy he is. So who is the most influential coach on you throughout your time in the Padres system? Oh, boy it's close um i would say andy was andy was up there um andy was kind of one of those managers who um he knew so much about the game from a mental side and he cared so much about the individual not the baseball player um of everyone in that in that locker room that um you know i haven't been in other locker rooms before but i i feel like it would be tough to to say that there are other managers who care as much about their players as he truly does. Um, he's one of those guys who he knows, you know, about your family. He knows about your kids. He knows everything about you and genuinely cares. And if you tell him something, he, you know, he won't forget it. You know, he's, he's a guy who really takes to heart relationships. And, um, you know, that was huge for me to have him as a manager breaking into the big leagues really made me appreciative of, you know, everything that he did and how much he cared about, myself um and my family and then um shoot from a a playing perspective skip schumacher um gosh he was he was so helpful um really i I don't even know how to describe it but you could go up to skip with a question about baseball and you knew that he was going to shoot it to you straight you know you might not like the answer you might not like what he had to say but he's going to be 100 percent honest with you and he wants to further your career and not sugarcoat stuff um so I'm sure that there were some guys who kind of got turned off by that. For me, I loved it because I knew that at the end of the day, I could go up to Skip and we could talk for you know two hours after a game about anything, and, and he was there for me. And um, you know, any constructive criticism was just that. You know, it wasn't anything personal. We were still friends at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, he wanted me to be the best version of me, and, and he did make me the best version of me, I believe, while I was there in San Diego. So I'm definitely going to miss him. Um, and yeah, the Padres were lucky to have him. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff on Green because I, I experienced that firsthand from Andy. He was very warm and, and you know, family first, asking about that first before he wanted to talk anything baseball. And I definitely appreciate that. Um, how surprised were you that he was let go? I, I know that that, you know, you and I talked about that and it was a little bit of a, a shock, if you will. But give us a little bit about Andy and the fact that the Padres let him go late this season last year. Yeah, it was pretty shocking. Um, you know, we kind of got a, uh informed about that and i was sitting with my wife at the time and i I didn't i didn't completely understand it um you know i I don't think 
if you look back at the rosters that Andy was given, that you know it was um, you know the the best hand he could have been dealt. Uh, I think I think he did as much as he could with it, and the best he could you know with it. And I think anyone who played for Andy knows that um, he's as competitive as it gets. So he wasn't trying to have losing seasons. He was putting everything he had out there, giving his players everything he had. Um, but when it came down to it, I think you know the rosters were just a little bit tougher to win with than than other teams. Um, not to mention being in the NL Central is not the easiest division. So um, yeah, I I figured that. You know, if it were to happen, it would happen in the off season, and Andy would finish out the year. So, um, yeah, I, I was quite surprised at when it happened, and um, you know, but but to you know, speak of Andy's character, he was the first one to reach out and and, and thank all of his players for you know playing for him and, and giving it everything they had. So, what would you consider your favorite memory as a Padre? Oh gosh, there's a lot. Um, to be honest, on a personal level, it's probably first big league hit. Uh, my debut, um, first home run, but, um, you know, the things that I'm actually going to cherish the most is the relationships I built with those guys. Um, you know, it, it was funny because I had never been to a big league spring training before actually getting to the big leagues. Um, so the first day of my debut, I walk into the clubhouse and, you know, my lockers, two lockers down from Matt Kemp and, you know, four down from BJ Upton. And I was one of those guys who I always watch these guys on TV and kind of idolized them. Like, you know, I guess like they were gods, you know, like they were superhumans. And then sitting down and talking with them and realizing that, oh, wow, they're just everyday guys who just, you know, are really good at baseball, but they have the same insecurities. They have the same struggles that, that I'm dealing with and that everyone's dealing with. Um, that was one thing that really is going to stick with me is just realizing that when it comes down to it, everyone's human, you know, and I think that kind of helped me out in a way. And, um, you know, just relating with the fans, like realizing that no one's above the fans, no one's above, you know, anyone really, you know, we're all human. We're all just hanging out. So that really put stuff into perspective for me. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, like the relationships I built coming up with a lot of those guys in the Padres system and going through the grind of the minor leagues and then, you know, being able to play on the same major league field and same major league team as them was, you know, something that I'll remember and I'll cherish forever. Yeah. It's, it's, fantastic to have these memories of, of the team and um you know it, it just give me a little bit about the fact that that baseball's circular and and, and just everything seems to kind of go in circles and and you know i'm i'm a little lost for words in speaking to you travis because i really appreciated the time that we spent and i really thought that you had a decent future with the team but give me a little bit about just just how life kind of rolls on and goes on circular if you will yeah it um it's just one of those things that's i mean it uh i think with the amount of people that you meet in baseball and the amount of connections that you have in baseball it's it's one of those things where it seems like it's always a revolving door you know so whether you're a manager whether you're a player um i think it's all about building relationships and all about you know really getting to know the people you're playing with and the people you're playing for and always kind of keeping those bridges aligned. It's, um, it's never one of those things where just because I got traded to Cincinnati, I feel like I'll never be in San Diego. You know, yeah. I would absolutely love to go out and, you know, have a great first half and, you know, help the Reds win, you know, 80 games in the first half and, um, you know, have a great second half and 
come to trade deadline, have phone calls about me, you know, Hey, can we go to San Diego, you know, and, and just have that discussion because it makes you feel wanted, you know? So just because my time right now is done in San Diego, um, you know, hopefully later on in my career, I, I end up back there and get to enjoy you guys in those beaches again. Yeah, that would be that would be an <laughs> ultimate goal. Um, I I know you got to run. Let me just hit you with a, a few more questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Corey Spangenberg was a, was a very good friend of yours. Uh, yeah. Pl- obviously, grew up in the system. Uh, he recently signed in Japan. Have you had any communication with him, and and how is he doing? Yeah. So I uh, talked with Corey quite a bit. Last um, I talked with him was probably about a week ago. Um, okay. We were talking, catching up. I was like, hey sent me a picture and he was in an airport i said where are you heading he said down to houston and he hadn't told me that teams in japan were looking at him so i was like oh my gosh are you about to sign with the astros like that's a great fit for you great organization uh-huh. and he texted me back he goes no heading to japan so it was uh, one of those things uh-huh. where um you know it, it shocked me um i think you know knowing Corey, he's one of the guys who kind of likes to know his surroundings and you know keep his circle close and just kind of not experience new things um but shoot like i said earlier when it comes to baseball it's it's kind of one of those things where you want to set your family up for the rest of your life um so i think that was probably the best move for him i think it's good for him baseball wise um i think it's good for him you know in in life in general going out and experiencing new things and, and figuring all that out so I think he's going to go over there and thrive and I'm excited for him and his wife. Awesome. Awesome. It's, it's a new beginning for him as well. And it's, it's just, it's amazing how the, how the sport just uh, moves on and you, you gotta, you gotta just roll the punches, right? I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. You couldn't have said that any better, man. Baseball is always going to move on. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, I guess why I am the way I am. I know that baseball is going to move on. So I'm going to try and impact as many people as I can while I have the platform and, uh, you know, build as many relationships as I can, because at the end of the day, I don't think people are going to remember me as much as they remember guys like, uh, you know, Babe Ruth and, and Barry Bonds and Mark yeah. McGuire. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get passed up on. There's a lot of me's out there. So, um, yeah. I, I like to use my platform for a good, uh, a good purpose. There you go. Be remembered for a different way, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Awesome. All right. Last thing I'd love to talk to you about is faith and baseball. Uh, you're a former Catholic altar boy like myself. Um, yeah. I kind of, kind of discovered God, if you will, and, and kind of transitioned that into baseball, and and they're doing some wonderful things with that. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just a little bit about kind of my testimony. I uh, grew up Roman Catholic. Went to Catholic school for. Um, 13 years of my life, kindergarten through high school. Mm. Um, then went to college and, um, wasn't going to church on Sundays, still prayed, but didn't really have a very good relationship with God as far as, you know, keeping in touch and praying and, and, and doing all that. Um, so, uh, ended up going, getting drafted, going in the minor leagues and I have something in the minor leagues called, uh, baseball chapel. And it's kind of uh, 15 minutes on Sundays, go in there, break down a Bible verse, and um, really apply it into your lives. Um, and it was the first time I'd ever done something like that. And I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. So I started talking with some teammates, and um, they started bringing up a non-denominational church. And I'd heard of that before, but I didn't know what it was. You know, for me, church was getting dressed up, going to, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, put, putting on the, the, the Sunday finest. 
um, singing hymns, being quiet. Um, and I was like, oh, non-denominational. I think that's a spot that it sounds like a, a rock and roll concert and people go in jeans and that's not <laughs> church, you know, that's, that's not church. So I kind of brushed it off, didn't think much about it. Um, and then I, I, I met my wife who was, you know, my girlfriend at the time and came home for the off season. She's from Lancaster as well. And, um, she said, Hey, I go to a non-denominational church. Do you want to come? And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm about to go to this rock concert. This is a church. Oh boy. Like, uh, yeah, I guess I'll go. Um, so I went there and first thing I played was the music. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is too loud. There's an electric guitar. What's going on? <laughs> True Catholic right there, right? Yo, hundred percent. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like get me out of here. And then the preacher comes up and, um, starts talking on the stage. He's not wearing a robe. He's not wearing anything. He looks like yeah. a normal guy. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. I was like, well, who's this guy? And why is he talking about the Bible? Like, this isn't a priest. Um, he went on to give a great sermon kind of, uh, you know, just breaking down the Bible. And it reminded me so much of baseball chapel and it, it, it had so much application and it kind of like hit me in the, in the stomach and was like, Oh wow. Like the Bible's meant to be lived out, not just read. Um, so it kind of gave me that reality check, like, okay. And, and it was, a, you know, and as intriguing enough where I wanted to come back the next week. So me and my wife went back the next week and then the next week and then the next week. And it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I didn't always have a relationship with God. I feel like I, I always knew God, but I never had a relationship with God. You know, I, I could never feel like I could tell him how my day went, whether good or bad. You know, I, I felt like I could never be mad at God. I felt like you know, he was this almighty who, if I do the wrong thing, he could strike me down at any moment, you know, and it's, it's true. He's an almighty thing, but it's one of those things where he, he just wants you to be, you know, the best version of you you can be. He loves you no matter what, you know, it's not one of those things where you have to get down on your knees and pray and memorize Bible verses. And, um, you know, you, you can't do this. You know, I, I think Jesus wants you to go out and and do great things because he loves you and, and, and you love him back. Um, so yeah, really in the past four or five years, I feel like my, my faith has grown to, um, you know, more of a, of a solid relationship with Jesus and with God and, and just a more open and honest relationship with him than, uh, than it was prior. And, um, yeah, I, I'll just share this one little thing. It might make it a little more clear. I, uh, I went to a church when I was hurt in Arizona and still keep in touch with the pastor, awesome guy out there. And um, he actually used me in one of his sermons. He said, you know, a lot of people know of God. You know, a lot of people know of God, but not many people know God. You know, like actually know him and, and invest time in getting to know him. And he was saying how when we first met, you know, he had heard of me. You know, he knew my stat line, but he didn't know me. He knew of me, but he didn't know me. So we've been building a relationship and, and getting closer and closer and, um, it's one of those things where I think it's, it's the same for a lot of people. They know of God, but they don't really invest time to get to know him. Um, so yeah, not, not to go on on a sermon and, and preach the, the gospel on a podcast, but uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, I, I'm passionate about my faith and um, you know, I uh, it, it's for me, it's God, family and baseball. Those are the top three things. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, you know, faith comes to, to people in different ways. And I just enjoy the fact that, you're, you're a former Catholic, uh, you know, went to, went to Catholic school like I did, 
you know, fully confirmed all the way through high school, just like I did. And, and you found faith in, in a different way. And th- that's all that matters is that, that you're able to have a relationship with God and able to get that peace of mind. And, and that's, uh, that's very, very comforting for you, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's, it's, uh, for the guys who don't have faith in baseball, I feel like it would, it would be a lot tougher. And I know I wouldn't be where I, where I am now without my faith because you can beat yourself up a lot when it comes to baseball. It's a, a game oh, of yeah. failure, as you guys know. So <laughs> yeah. coming back to that, that constant of, you know, God always being there and God always being there for you, it, it definitely helps out. Awesome. Awesome. You know, we, we, we ran a little over. I appreciate you, you spending some time with us. You know, I, I, I'm speaking for all the Padre fans here when I, when I say I wish you the best of luck. You, you provided a lot to the team, uh, more intangible than anything else. And I think that's what fans love about you and about baseball players the most is that the little things they bring to, to the fan base, the interactions and, and just the joy. I mean, uh, Mr. Jankowski, Travis, thank you so much for your time. And like I say, we wish you all the best luck in Cincinnati, man. Yeah, thank you guys a ton for having me. It was great to catch up. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys in San Diego when Cincinnati comes out there. For sure. I'll, I'll be I'll be on the lookout for you in the spring. I'm, I was happy that you went to a team that's uh, still based in Arizona, so I'll get an opportunity to, to buggy out there soon. Oh, perfect. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, there you go, folks. Travis Jankowski, former Padre outfielder. Uh, we will be right back after a short break. Welcome back, folks. Uh, fresh off a decent little podcast with Mr. Travis Jankowski. Uh, it's pretty awesome to, to talk to him, Austin, and get, a, get his uh, opinion on the Padres, even though he technically can't say too much, or we don't want to get him into too much trouble, right? Right. A lot of good memories, though. I love the friend Mill story, you know, just him talking about his coaches and, you know, talking to Andy Green and everything like that. Like, he was, he was awesome. Yeah, he's he's a pretty candid guy. The, the the interactions that we've had over the years, he's been pretty honest and and, and uh, upfront with with what's going on. And I we I appreciate the fact that he was able to discuss both Green and Franmil with us. Um, let's talk a little bit about some moves that have gone on. I don't think we've discussed any of the trades that have gone on since we've podcasted, have we? Uh, Profar. We haven't finished the Profar, but we've talked about Profar. Okay. Yeah. So the Profar deal. Uh, wrapped up uh this afternoon uh buddy reed was sent to oakland uh along with austin allen for jerkson profar uh in my opinion that's a little bit of a hefty price to pay for profar even though i don't necessarily think reed is a top prospect he's kind of a fringy type prospect at this point but uh profar was probably going to be released by the a's I, i know that the padres wanted to jump in and not 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 have any uh any outside competition on the A's uh, non-tendering him. Um, I, I don't know. Give me your thoughts on that trade. And, and in particular, if you think that the Padres perhaps paid a little bit of a hefty price uh, uh, for the baseman. It was either that or lose him in rule five. So, I mean, especially with Buddy Reed, that's the one I'm particularly talking about. You know, Cal said something on the show that, mm-hmm. you know, I asked him if this was just a down year for Buddy Reed. And he said, he said something that he, to the extent of, uh, what if, you know, after all these stats over, after all these years, what if last year was the outlier? You know? Yeah. What if last year was the exception? Because if you look at his stats throughout his minor league career, they haven't been very good outside of Lake Elsinore. Like in a park where he should have absolutely thrived at Hodgetown, he consistently struggled throughout the year and had basically months to where he would go cold. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's... 
it's one of those things where he's the number 25th prospect, but he might be a fourth outfielder in his future unless somebody can teach him how to hit. But yeah, not I mean, teach I him how to hit, but just like kind of like just retool him a little bit. He's just so raw and so athletic. Super I mean, athletic. Picked up, the, picked up the game so late. I mean, he was a hockey player growing up who picked up baseball at 18 or 19, 17, 18, yep. something like that. I remember. You know, there's a lot of upside with him, but at the same time, there's a lot of risk. And, and the Padres just don't have the time to to cultivate him anymore. And, and, and you know, it, we wish him the best of luck. Oakland has a uh, different philosophy as far as hitting and hopefully they can connect with him and, and get him to get on base a little bit more because ultimately that's what he needs to do is get on base in order to use those terrific skills that he has uh, around the base pass. So um, the Padres did lose uh, Trevor McGill to the Chicago Cubs uh, in the rule five draft. Uh, you saw McGill slightly uh, or for a limited time in, in uh, Amarillo in the beginning of the year. Any thoughts on him? I know he's a big pitcher, relief pitcher. Anything you can share with us uh, about Mr. Miguel? You know, it was one of those things where I didn't get to see Miguel for long, and when I did, I was still very, very new at this, so I didn't really have a handle on what exactly was going on, but they were going to lose somebody in the draft. They were yeah. going to lose at least a, you know, at least one, and Trevor Miguel just so happened to be that guy now. Do I do I think this is a massive loss? Probably not, just because of the depth of the system. But I mean, rule five is rule five, and yeah. it's just. I mean, there's always a chance he doesn't even stick with the Cubs. Exactly. Sent back he might be back. Yeah. So it's it's it is what it is. Um, Padres are moving and shaking. There's some startling Marte rumors going around. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Of uh, Starling can really do it all. I'm pretty. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about these rumors. It's a true center fielder. Uh, it's a guy that, you know, is probably going to come out. The, the defensive metrics have been down on him at center, though. Do you, do you really think that he's going to be the answer at center for this team long term, or is he? Are they going to rotate? I mean, because Grisham and Fam have both played center in, in their career, so are are they going to have like a revolving door at center if, if they acquired Marte? I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. It, you know, the offseason is all about upgrading, in my opinion. You yeah. know, is Marte an upgrade from Manuel Margot? Yes. I believe he is. I believe he's actually a significant upgrade, especially on the offensive side, especially with a guy that, you know, can get on base more, can swipe more bags, can, you know, put your team in better positions. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it from that perspective, especially since we don't have the the luxury of having a DH because obviously Will Myers would be slotted there. But, uh, you know, I like the Marte rumors. Uh I'm ex- interested to see what the cost would be just because of, you know, how he's been. Uh, but, yeah. you know, it, it'd be uh, it'd be pretty exciting to get somebody like that in. And, you know, Preller just keeps making moves and keeps being all over the place. I mean, we heard the David Price rumors. We've heard, you know, just guys like that. Rumor. That's, that's it's a very interesting rumor. Being that, being that you're you're obviously a Red Sox fan and, and endure that, the team – Give me your thoughts about a, a Myers for for price swap and if that would actually work. I mean, it would save Boston thirty around thirty million dollars, a little right. less than that. Um, they're both under contract for three years. Any any truth to that, or any any uh, any thought of of that actually happening? I love David Price, and that is a very like lukewarm opinion for Red Sox fans. I, I love David Price before the World Series run, and it was. 
you know, one of those guys where I was like ready to die on my deathbed for, you know, just, just to protect him. Um, but I think that he would be pretty, it would be pretty cool to have him. You know, he obviously had a down year because of injuries last year. Uh, it would help Boston with the, with the luxury tax situation. Um, I'm not going to say that it would loosen, uh, the loss of maybe trading a guy like Mookie Betts because it obviously wouldn't. That would obviously be a huge downgrade, but I mean, the trade kind of makes sense from both sides, unfortunately. And I, I don't know if that it gets done, but it, it makes sense uh, with a couple more pieces in there. Yeah. Apologies for the car car alarm. My neighbor's car is going crazy, <laughs> right? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've heard that there's a lot of interest in price, which seems a Five little shocking. Shocked me. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's based upon the $35, $36 million that Strasburg and, and Cole are getting and the market's kind of resetting itself. And you look at prices contract and you think, oh, that's a decent deal, but there's some health issues with him. Give me a little bit about what he provided health-wise for the Red Sox last year, what he didn't provide for the the Red Sox last year health-wise. It was just one of those years to where the injury bug completely bit the Red Sox. You know, Nathan Avaldi, Chris Sale, David Price, and I don't know if that was like a maybe an injury staff situation or anything like that. I don't think the injuries are something too concerned to be about. I'm sure that he would love to get out of the AL East so he doesn't have to play the Yankees every year. Yeah, uh, I mean, even even the Blue Jays. I mean, this is a guy that, to my knowledge, has never played in the National League. And, nope. No. Uh, you know, it might be a good change of scenery. It might be a situation to where San Diego's a lot more relaxed. I mean, I think we all know that. Uh, yeah. San Diego media is probably a cakewalk considered to the Boston media, which is oh, the yeah. worst media in sports. Yeah. <laughs> like you have some outliers, but I mean, man. Uh, but yeah, 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 it's an interesting thought. Um, I've also heard Jackie Bradley Jr.'s name thrown in there because it seems Take like the Red Sox him. want to trade him every year. <laughs> yeah, what what is Bradley making per year? Uh, I think it's I think his I think he's around twelve right now, and I think it's Ooh. his arbitration number right now or something. He's a free agent at the end of the year, or uh, he... I think he might have this year left, and I think it's done. Okay. But, okay, so he's in the same boat as as Betts as far as uh, yeah contracts. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. The Red Sox are going to have to make some moves. You would imagine that they're going to do something. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to get rid of Chris Sale and his one hundred and forty six million dollar contract. Wish. But price at at ninety six seems doable. Uh, Eovaldi's owed fifty one million. That's another one who could possibly be moved by the team. And he's awful. Yeah, he got paid for that uh, that. World Series yep. year. I mean, yep. it, it, it's just it's it's tough when you pay the value of a player for what they did instead of what they what they did over a span of a buck. Yeah. Well, look at what Kershaw is getting paid for what he did rather than what he's going to do. And well, it, I don't even think when you're Allen's out, really comparable. I think that Evaldi showed up for a month. Yeah, uh, wasn't even on the team for a, for a full year before the team was entirely too desperate to please fans and bring him back. And yeah. uh, they've they're in the, this luxury tax hole because of it. Well, that's what happens when you root for a rich team, Mister yeah, Harsox. <laughs> uh, but well, the Dodgers you know, like whiffed. Can we talk about that? The Dodgers always whiff. I mean, wh- I mean, the Blake Trinan signing is actually a move in the right direction for them because they should probably sign four relievers right. comparable to him. 
you know, they missed out on Rondon. They missed out on Cole. There's still the Lindor talk, but if they're giving up May and Lux and Verdugo and There's a couple no other players, that rumor's true, right? I, I would, I would hope it is because I want them to decimate their farm system for Lindor, who's only going to create issues with them in the infield. I, I mean, you already have Seager, who's, I mean, not obviously not as good as Lindor, but he's comparable, and I, I, I don't know. I, I love to see them do sideways, mo- sideways moves, and I feel that that's what they're probably going to end up doing is making a move sideways, restructure their infield, restructure their outfield, and not really add anybody. And that's what the Padres need from them, and it's it's happening. I mean, Cole on that team would have been a disaster for the Padres. Uh, Redone on that team would have been a disaster for the Padres. So I guess we can just root for them not to sign anybody uh, influential to add to their, their juggernaut of a team. Yeah, they're running out of names too. So Yeah, they are. I mean, Price will probably be rumored to them uh, at some point, even though I don't necessarily think he's a good fit. But they're going to need to get pitching. They're going to need to upgrade somewhere. The fan base is not happy right now. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, this this is a franchise that used to throw money at players, Daryl Strawberry, Eric Davis, players in the, in, the, in the twilight of their career. And they've wisened up to that recently, but not doing anything is, is, and hoarding prospects is, is going to hurt them eventually, um, you would have to think. So we'll, we'll, we'll just wait and see how that plays out. But uh, it's still very, very early in the, uh, in the offseason. Shout out to the Padres for getting better this offseason, by the way. I feel like the entire NL West is just kind of trying, is just kind of staying stagnant. And the Padres, even if they're incremental moves at times, like they're still working to get better. Whereas the Rockies are now trying to trade their all-star third baseman. Uh, there was Trevor Story rumors. Arizona really hasn't done anything. Uh, the Dodgers are going backwards. I mean, the Giants just acquired a first-round pick in Zach Cozart. Like, yeah. How's, that, what, how's, let's talk about that deal. I mean, what the? They uh, thought they were getting Garrett the Angels Cole. Angels are, are just. I mean, the Angels just gave away their first-round pick to save twelve million dollars, which is crazy. But I mean, they're still on the hook for Josh Hamilton, aren't they? Uh, I think that might that that deal might be over. Okay. Justin Upton uh, still I, makes twenty million a year. Yeah, and Pujols still makes yeah, a ridiculous 30. amount. Trout, too. I mean, I don't know. It, it seems crazy to me to deal away a first-round pick uh, for for money. But, you know, everybody's, phys- phys- uh, everybody's philosophy is different, and uh, apparently we're going to see some creative moves like that in, in the near future with teams as they try to allocate funds and try to – make themselves competitive so who knows though it could have been the money that they needed to sign anthony rendon honestly that's true that is true that is true and i don't think the fan base will complain because they got rendon so uh the angels need to win now though i mean trout's yes trout's need some playoff time especially if the astros get punished yeah exactly and and, it's it it's just a mess uh, around baseball with with the Astros, I kind of love watching them burn. Yeah, I, I we'll have to wait and see how that how that how that uh, unfolds. Um, interesting offseason so far for the San Diego Padres, though they they've made some additions. You are right; they have uh, definitely upgraded the team. Tommy Fan is a huge upgrade in the locker room. Uh, I'm excited to see how he interacts with a lot of the complacent members of the San Diego Padres because he does not he's not someone who's going to be complacent he's not someone who's going to just 
sit around and let things happen. He's going to be vocal and we'll have to see how Eric Cosmer and Manny Machado and company respond to that. Pure uh, leader, believer in analytics. I mean, the Padres yeah. couldn't ask for a better guy to lead this locker room. I'm very, very, yeah. very excited for Tommy Pham, and I'm glad that all the physicals are cleared up now to where it's not even a question anymore. I mean, Tommy was a guy that was a huge thorn in the side of pretty much everyone everywhere he went because this guy just buys into the analytics. I mean, you have a athletic article where he's talking about to where he feels like nobody understands them you know, as good as he does. And I'm very, very excited to see what he can do with this organization and see how he can help this team especially seeing some of the drills that him and Austin Meadows have been doing on MLB Network prior to the trade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Implement things like that to the team that, that is hungry for new uh, ideas and new ideology. So we'll have to wait and see. It's uh, it's going to be an exciting time. Uh, you would have to imagine the Padres are going to make another series of moves. Uh, I think A.J. Preller uh, commented to A.J. Casabell that he still has some moves to make, uh, probably not. Uh, multiple moves, but maybe something big. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, the San Diego Padres are definitely uh, in on, on all players that are that are available. Uh, AJ Preller leaves no stone unturned, uh, unturned and uh, we'll have to wait and see what they do. Uh, I think that they are going to upgrade somewhere in the pitching department, but then again, they already have five starters. Uh, penciled in for next season, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to predict what this team can do and will do. Uh, I think we are good to go, Austin. Uh, Mr. Hartsfield here is not feeling well, so I think I will take us out of here. Uh, give us a follow on uh, Twitter. Uh, the website's uh, Twitter account is AV- EVT underscore news. I am at EVT underscore J Clark, and Austin is at at a Hartsfield PC. God, I, I almost made it all the way through. Hartsfield PC, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us, folks. Uh, terrific show, episode number 117. We had Mr. Travis Jankowski on. Uh, we have a couple of guests lined up in the coming weeks. It's going to be tough with the holiday coming up, but uh, we will do our best to keep you uh, informed with some podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us. East Village Times podcast is signing out.